I'd say a general takeaway is apply the rule that Wi-Fi always wins and standards are important. So as we look at how there are a lot of other proprietary IoT wireless solutions that are out there that only existed probably because they did one thing really well, but they're proprietary type of solutions. I think people are reconsidering now that now that Wi-Fi Halo is here, there's a new way to look at the world for long distance, secure, reliable, better penetrating Wi-Fi. Hello, this is Martha DeGrasse here again for Wi-Fi Alliance, and this is The Signal, our podcast where we bring you the inside scoop on Wi-Fi. These are meant to be smart conversations with industry leaders. We want to deliver a new perspective on the growing portfolio of Wi-Fi technologies that we see changing the connectivity landscape. And today, we are super excited to learn more about Wi-Fi Halo with Morse Micro. We have two executives here. We have Kevin Daly, he is VP of Business Development, and we have David Hallis, Director of Standards. Kevin and Dave, thank you very much for being here. Welcome to The Signal. Thanks, Martha. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. So Morse Micro is an Australian chip startup, and Kevin, you're joining us all the way from Sydney today, I think. So you get to go first and tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what led you to Morse Micro and Wi-Fi Halo. Sure. Thank you, Martha. Yeah. Greetings from Sydney, where we're all here uh, for a large company meeting today. So my background is I've always uh, been in the semiconductor industry for pretty much my career, about 35 years, originally supporting communications chip vendors, so Ethernet and Wi-Fi. Great. So uh, in the past uh, five years or so, I've been helping Morse Micro bring our Wi-Fi Halo product to the market for volume production. Okay, excellent. And Dave, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey to Wi-Fi Halo? Sure, yeah, definitely. More than uh, 30 years of experience with uh, wireless, one form or another. Got involved with the standards. And so for instance, uh, it was the chair of 802.11i, which was for enhanced security. That was fun experience. Through that experience, then I was also uh, named as a Cisco innovator while I was Congratulations. at uh, Cisco Systems. Thanks. Uh, besides that, then very pertinent to uh, this discussion, I was the 802.11 uh, sub-1 gigahertz study group chair, which eventually led to 802.11ah. And I was the first task group chair of 802.11h, which is basis for Halo. Okay, so Wi-Fi Halo is a Wi-Fi certified standard for low power, low bandwidth IoT type connections. And it's actually not using the same spectrum that most other Wi-Fi connections use. Do you want to give us any more information about what Wi-Fi Halo is for anybody who might not be aware? Sure, I'd add one more thing to that. Long reach. So for our technology, we use the sub one gigahertz RF spectrum, and there are some excellent properties of dropping down into the sub one gigahertz bands, namely that signals travel farther, they penetrate through walls better, and uh, it gives us the ability to have more reliable connections for IoT type of devices. So it is lower data rate than some of the other traditional Wi-Fi, but we do certainly have an ability to make connections more reliable using sub one gigahertz Wi-Fi. Along those same lines, as far as the longer reach, initially I was with a company called Aeronet, which was eventually acquired by Cisco. And before 
802.11 products were out in the field, we actually made products for the sub-1 gigahertz band. And one of the concerns was, because once 802.11 was going forward, that that was using the 2.4 band since it was worldwide availability. And the concern was, hey, look at, you know, you're going to have this drop in range and our customer's going to have an issue with that. That turned out not to be the issue that just because of with Wi-Fi Alliance coming along and promoting everything that that kind of overtook the range that kind of came back down. So uh, definitely agreeing with Kevin there. And how do the costs compare to LoRa or other cellular-based IoT connectivity solutions? So within wireless IoT technologies, some other types of methods for connecting things might include trying to use cellular modems to put devices onto the network. So with a Wi-Fi halo infrastructure, just like traditional Wi-Fi, once you install an access point and you have the stations connected to it, you don't have to pay some kind of recurring cost to a cellular provider for using their network. So there is a system cost uh, benefit to using a Wi-Fi technology instead of having to use some kind of cellular technology that having to pay for a data plan every month. Okay, excellent. So let's talk about some of the use cases so far. I think that you've recently conducted tests in an agricultural environment where you had some pretty amazing results, right? Yes, so Neil Westy, one of the Morse Micro fellows here, is very passionate about field testing. So he goes out and tests in uh, rural environments to prove that the Wi-Fi Halo reach can offer great benefits in things like agriculture or rural internet. So with the capabilities that we have with our chipset in certain countries, we can have well over a kilometer type of reach. So that's sort of a figure of merit for Wi-Fi Halo, kilometer Wi-Fi. And certainly we can show multiple megabits per second at over a kilometer of distance. That's excellent. And as far as the the device ecosystem, I realize that that you need to find your way for your chipsets to make their way into routers as well as end-user devices. Which usually comes first? The routers and then the end-user devices get developed or people find these really cool applications and they say, hey, we need a router to support this. Well, certainly we need both ends. We need the router or access point as well as the station devices that connect to it. So at Morse Micro, to try to solve that chicken versus the egg problem, we created both. So our chip has the capability to work either as an access point device or a station device. And with all the reference designs that we came up with, we pretty much provide those to our customers who want to jumpstart their solution in their particular industry segment. And then over time, the traditional providers of the APs, routers, and home gateways will catch up and they'll be able to do integrated solutions themselves. So we're trying to, uh, you know, try to accelerate that process by providing that solution for both ends. Okay, yeah. I believe Asia RF has a gateway that's Wi-Fi Halo now. Is that right? Yes, they're one of the first certified vendors of a Wi-Fi Halo access point. So we're very happy that they're using our chipset, and we look forward to them getting a lot of business and certainly getting many more companies coming through the certification process. Excellent. And what types of devices do you think those routers are going to be supporting? 
We found some of the, well, I think it depends on where you want to focus. There's probably seven or eight different industry segments where we can serve using Wi-Fi Halo. One of the fastest growing and probably the quickest uptake markets we see is in the security industry. People would like to extend the reach and increase the reliability of surveillance cameras. So consider that you might want to put a wireless camera outside of your home but it has trouble trying to get out through the walls and reach back to the access point. Well, with Wi-Fi Halo, we have the capability to penetrate through materials, penetrate through different types of construction of different houses and buildings, and reach back to the Wi-Fi Halo AP or router. So that's probably the biggest, quickest time-to-market application. And then maybe another industry that we would uh, discuss would be within the building automation systems. So building automation means other things like heating, ventilation, and air conditioning or access control, controlling who's allowed to come into a building. Those are probably the two quickest upticks for us in the people who want to use Wi-Fi Halo. And that access control will require a camera as well, right? Yeah, it is a crossover market for video applications, right? So you, you have maybe a badge reader or some kind of credentials device on the outside of a building, and a person can either use keypads or scanners, but often it's going out to video facial recognition. And facial recognition or video is something that challenges the older, slower technologies. You can't really put video over LoRa or Zigbee or Z-Wave, or uh, you might not be able to run an Ethernet cable out to a spot where you want to set up an access control panel. And so those are the, the ways that video does cross over, I would say. Video does cross over into the access control market. Yeah. So I'm guessing that cameras are among the most popular end-user devices as this gets started, right? I think it's the easiest use case to prove to somebody that maybe they tried to install a doorbell camera on the outside of the house and it just doesn't work. And we've been able to validate 10 to 15% of the businesses that sell directly to the consumer have experienced troubling issues with tech support and delays and trying to help the customer. And ultimately, the customer's reaction is, just return this, it doesn't work. So oh, really? we're, we're really um, able to show right away that the reliability of the first time success of connecting some of those devices is increased immensely with Wi-Fi Halo. Also, as you kind of look at the 82.11ah amendment, when it was being worked on, people realize that there's going to be different types of devices. There'll be devices that are going to be, were termed long sleepers, such as your sensors. And then there's going to be devices that are going to be high throughput. For instance, your cameras. And 82.11ah at Wi-Fi Halo was designed to accommodate both so that they'll work together. Whereas you look at some of the other technologies that it's very narrow focused on, well, there's this one application you know, I'm strictly a sensor. That's all I want to worry about. And then all of a sudden, now, now you're trying to handle different types of devices, and it doesn't work all that well. So when you look at 8211AH, there are things like uh, target wait time, restricted access window. These are things that are put in strictly to handle so that you can have one technology that's handling both, the long sleeper and the high throughput, working together. Yeah, that's really good. And do you see consumer recognition of Wi-Fi Halo? Like if people are, are buying a camera, is that something that you think people are starting to learn what it is? Well, I think mostly kind of like what Kevin said was customers just want things to work. And now the great thing about the Wi-Fi alliances is that there's this great brand recognition that comes along. So we can like say, hey, look at here you got a radio technology that everybody's familiar with. To the user, it's going to be Wi-Fi. 
And so therefore, it's just a very strong message. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's trusted. A lot of people might not know exactly what Zigbee or Laura means, but everybody knows what Wi-Fi is. So that's an advantage right there. What kind of battery lives are you seeing with some of these connected cameras? Well, we're trying to make sure we can match or exceed the battery life of existing products that are in the market. And many of them advertise many months uh, on a single battery charge and some even up to and over a year of battery life. So our expectation is that we can at least meet and then beat those types of technologies, those other types of battery life cycles using Wi-Fi Halo mostly because of the things we can take advantage of in terms of sleeping. So we have these different sleep modes with target wake time. So you can create a battery-operated camera that can negotiate back with the AP to say, look, I'm going to sleep until I get interrupted by motion or sound or some other kind of function that could be the, the camera chip itself can be doing some AI processing on the edge. And then it will only wake up the Wi-Fi Halo connection when it has something to send. And so that's one of the ways that we can help improve the battery life of these other types of traditional Wi-Fi cameras, which would be more apt to try to wake up more frequently to listen to beacons and things like that. So you have to work very, very closely with the people that are making the processors in these cameras. Yeah, it helps to know when a customer comes to us, they usually will pick an IP camera SOC vendor. And honestly, a lot of them are easy for us to connect with because traditionally they're Linux operating system type devices, and we just provide the driver and connect up just like a regular Wi-Fi chip would. But we do have that ability to sleep longer. So I guess another way to say that is the, the camera SOC vendors, we've tried connecting to them all. And it's pretty straightforward. Anybody that makes an IP camera already has the infrastructure in place and their software and their firmware to connect to one of our chips. Okay, great. So can you talk a little bit about some of the, of the challenges that you've encountered in, first, I guess, the consumer market, since that seems to be a big one for you? Sure. Yeah. In the consumer market, one of the common questions is, well, where are all the access points? I want to go buy something off the shelf. So those will come. Or it's a residential gateway. Some people don't go buy their own Wi-Fi router. They rely on their service provider to bring that into the building. What we're doing is helping people get their Wi-Fi halo connectivity when they purchase a product, in the most cases, they'll be able to also purchase the AP. So it can be very simply what we call a dongle AP or a dongle router that can just hang off the back of any existing Wi-Fi router that has an extra Ethernet port or USB port. So that's a way to accelerate the entry into the home. And then there are also companies who will sell the bridging between Wi-Fi Halo to the customer's Wi-Fi in a very small box. So it'll be like a very small bridge something that most people are already accustomed to anyway in the home automation market. They have somebody's hub or somebody else's a chime device that will make the doorbell sound. Yeah, those are actually Wi-Fi Halo APs that will come out with the video products. Oh, okay. All right, great. Anything to add there, Dave? I pretty much agree with uh, Kevin. The taking in the commercial market, being able to kind of deploy this in an easy fashion, then you'll see that other products likewise that's when you buy them, you might end up buying them initially as a package. You know, you might not realize this today, but for instance, if you're buying something uh, like a uh, video camera, it's got something that's on the receive end as well. Now with Wi-Fi, people you know understand all that's an access point. So it's a transition from something that's kind of like a vertical market where you're buying this match pair and will end up going to something that you'll end up uh, seeing both strictly selling the camera and the access point as well. 
Okay. All right. Great. Do you ever foresee mainstream, like six gigahertz Wi-Fi access points, incorporating Halo at some point? Is that the dream? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just add the band. We're happy to add the uh, Wi-Fi Halo chip to anybody's uh, router chip. There are some big players in that space that make most of the the large Wi-Fi six six E in the future Wi-Fi seven chipsets and we're very simply uh, an additional radio that can be connected up to that chip and then they can be our host processor it's as simple as adding just a, a small module to it and you can light up a home with wi-fi halo okay excellent the other thing i would add to it would be that as i was a constant how much can you do with one radio now before i was talking about having one radio that would do high throughputs and then also like long sleepers Another analogy would be like a highway. The highway is definitely a minimum speed limit. And so when you're talking about when you're getting to uh, six gigahertz and these higher throughputs, you know, do you really want to add uh, some device that is really a long sleeper? Is that going to help you? Or would you be better by adding just another radio that could handle both your residential street, something to come out and somebody could be walking on and also like a car could be driving down. Uh, that's where we see that, that when you actually look at it, it makes sense to add not just the Wi-Fi 6E, but then even the Halo that could handle these separate types of traffic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now let's I talk a little, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, Martha, I just uh, wanted to also mention one other access point or router application for Wi-Fi Halo. We support the Wi-Fi certified Easy Mesh certification, which is a way of meshing together multiple APs by putting the, the data through potentially multiple different paths. If you can't reach from AP A to B to C, you can maybe go from A to C. So Wi-Fi Halo can be a part of a, an Easy Mesh access point, which can actually extend the distance between the access points for other Wi-Fi 6 APs. So a Wi-Fi 6 AP with Wi-Fi Halo as an additional band, they can be separated at much greater distances. And in the event where maybe a customer says, I, I absolutely want to put an AP out in the pool house. I really want an AP out there so I can surf things. Well, although it's going to be a slower connection over the Wi-Fi Halo band, they can use EasyMesh to add that extra access point out there over Wi-Fi Halo. Okay, that's a really good point. And then what about Matter? Do you think that a lot of the end-user devices will support Matter that use Wi-Fi Halo? I think it depends on the industry. Matter has the most impact in the home. So for home automation users, they're trying to figure out how to control multiple things in their house with their favorite ecosystem application. They're one of maybe three or four different applications. But they always want to control something with their app, and they don't want to have to worry about, is it this brand or the other? The good thing about Wi-Fi Halo is we are Matter compliant. One of the fabrics that you can use to create Matter network is Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi or Ethernet. So we're happy to say whether you want Matter in your home or you don't want Matter in your home, you can make a Wi-Fi Halo network support all those IoT smart home devices. Oh, that's good. All right, good. Okay, let's switch from talking about the smart home to the enterprise industrial setting. And it sounds like you have a little bit of traction there. Uh, do you have anything that you can share with us about how enterprises are looking at, at Wi-Fi Halo and what they might use it for? Okay, well, enterprise as an industry segment for the traditional Wi-Fi AP vendors would include things like large office buildings where you're trying to add coverage for many people 
who potentially are roaming around. One of the great things about Wi-Fi Halo for enterprise is if you have certain IoT type of devices that you want to offload from your 2.4 gigahertz or 5 gigahertz network, you can put those down into the sub gigahertz space of Wi-Fi Halo and then completely overlay any network with Wi-Fi Halo. So whatever the, the network plan was for that building, you can bring in Wi-Fi Halo at a much lower infrastructure cost and cover larger areas, but also volumes of space. Because we can also put an AP on one floor and it can take care of some, let's just say for instance, some door locks or some HVAC. It can handle connecting up through the ceiling or down through the floor and through many more walls. So within enterprise buildings, it kind of gets more towards the building automation systems where people I think will be most interested in using our technology. And then access control, that's another one, door locks in a hotel or a dorm room or a, a school. And we talked at the beginning about agriculture and you know that makes me think of also like mining or oil field services. Those might be applications as well, right? Yes. So if you consider open field mining, we have extremely long reach. So kilometer, multi-kilometer connectivity. And you can apply that for vehicle-to-vehicle communications, where many of these vehicles are constantly uploading and downloading position information, GPS position or GNSS position information to each other or from each other. There may be certain pieces of equipment that are being automated, excuse me. So autonomous vehicles can be brought into the fold of the devices that help support a mining vehicle. Maybe another example would be a combine harvester out in a farm that it's out in the middle of the field. Well, that combine harvester can actually be a mobile router or mobile AP talking to all the sensors and other things out in the field as it goes and does its business. And you could have autonomous vehicles come up to maybe collect the grain coming off the harvester or figuring out the soil conditions if you're out fertilizing. Those are also applications for agriculture where you have good line of sight and long reach. I'm starting to understand why you're in Australia, right? I mean, all these things we're talking about are going on in Australia, I think. They are. There's mining and agriculture here. And if you've ever flown over the middle of the United States in an airplane and looked down and seen a whole bunch of circles down on the ground, each one of those is a very large field, probably half a mile across or one kilometer reach for that irrigation boom that makes it look like a circular pattern. We can help take care of the farmers who want to put a lot of things out in the field. So from a single AP, they could do like a one mile by one mile coverage from a single AP, maybe sitting in a, a silo or on top of a building. And, and that also makes farming much more energy efficient, too, which is very important. Uh, something along those same lines as far as a lot of times the way we talk about agriculture or mining, a lot of times people think about, oh, I've got these sensors and so forth. But when we're talking about agriculture, there's also cases where you're trying to bridge the same network to a number of different locations. So, for instance, if you look at a farm, there's actually a number of buildings. And instead of taking an Internet connection and each of them having their own internet connection, you'd say, oh, you know what? I can have one internet connection and I could bridge this network. This used to be very common, early days of wireless LANs. And this is definitely something that when you take a look at Halo and it's saying, hey, look, I can go these large distances for these uh, different buildings and set up a network. It's not just the sensors. It's also a different application such as that bridging applications that'll help you out. Right, because most farms don't have tons and tons of bandwidth available from their internet provider, so that's important as well. 
I think I'll also add that we already have some trials underway with service providers who are going to bring Wi-Fi Halo out into rural areas so that they can offer the service, Wi-Fi Halo service, to devices in a field or in a village. So I think that's something that we could say is already underway. We're working pretty closely with the, one of the service providers to do that. Well, that's really exciting. That's great. Along those same lines is that there's the case of, if you're taking a look at the cost, then sometimes if you're covering some remote location, you might have some cellular modem and then each cellular modem hooked up with some type of device, like an access point. But here what we're saying is maybe what you do is you have one cellular modem and from there, now you're able to extend over your farm, your mine, so that you don't have one AP and then one cellular modem for each. You're able to reduce your cost by saying, oh, I only need one backhaul because that's sufficient for the, the amount of throughput that I need. All right, that's key. All right, Dave Hallis, Director of Standards at Morse Micro. Anything else that you want to be sure that we talk about with Wi-Fi Halo while we're here? I think we've covered it all. I think that the Wi-Fi Alliance is doing a great job of really from brand recognition and to the certification programs that we've got. It was one of the things that was initially recognized when we were looking at different technologies and we were saying, hey, look, if we bring things in through IEEE and then we follow up with the Wi-Fi Alliance, we'll actually have some very strong message to a technology that will drive IoT forward. Excellent, all right. And Kevin Daly, VP of Business Development at Morse Micro. Anything else that you wanna share while you're here? I'd say a general takeaway is apply the rule that Wi-Fi always wins and standards are important. So as we look at how there are a lot of other proprietary IoT wireless solutions that are out there that only existed probably because they did one thing really well, but they're proprietary type of solutions. I think people are reconsidering now that now that Wi-Fi Halo is here, there's a new way to look at the world for long distance, secure, reliable, better penetrating Wi-Fi. Well, that's a good place to end it. All right, Kevin, Dave, thank you both very much for being here on The Signal. And thank you for joining us. That is our show. Don't forget to check the show notes for more resources and be sure to follow The Signal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music, as well as at the Wi-Fi Alliance. That's y-fi.org. I'm Martha DeGrasse here for Wi-Fi Alliance. Thanks for listening and please join us next time on The Signal.